Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study, only about 13 or 14 minutes, but every day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word. And that helps keep us focused on our relationship with God and upon our spiritual life, our spiritual well-being or lack thereof. And it helps us to grow in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We want to encourage you always to share these studies with everybody you can in your life. You know people who need to grow in their faith. Help them to do that by sharing through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. Make that commitment and help those people, maybe help them get to heaven by sharing every day. Make that commitment today. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study. And as I've said, I've emphasized this. This is a very basic, fundamental study of a doctrine, of a very basic, fundamental doctrine of New Testament Christianity. And that's baptism. It's hard to to really overemphasize the, the state of confusion the amount of confusion that prevails within all of the churches that call themselves Christian over the subject of baptism. And there's absolutely no need for it. There's no need for any degree of confusion. But I don't know probably of a single New Testament doctrine, New Testament Christian doctrine, that is that 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 generates more confusion in the minds of people than the subject of baptism and we're talking about as basic and fundamental a new testament christian doctrine that you're going to find in the entire new testament now next to jesus being the son of god and our lord and savior i don't know that you're going to find a more fundamental Christian doctrine than the subject of baptism. Well, it's found 103 times in the New Testament. That's an incredible number of references, number of mentionings of baptism in the New Testament scriptures. It's found in 75 New Testament verses. So in a number of those verses, it's mentioned more than once. But then it's alluded to in a number of other verses where the word is not specifically used. Can we understand what baptism really means? What it is really about? How a person should be baptized? That is the mode or the action of baptism? Absolutely. There's really no excuse for not understanding because it is taught over and over and over again and it is clarified as it is being taught. Well, at the same time, you've got all kinds of churches calling themselves Christians who practice different forms of baptism. Some sprinkle, some pour, some may rub some water on, 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 on a baby's forehead, some may use immersion as baptism. Some will use any of those just about, at least three different ones, pouring, sprinkling, or immersion, depending on what the individual wanting to be baptized wants to be baptized or how they want to be baptized. So they might say, I I just want you to sprinkle some water over my head. I just want you to pour some water over my head. I I don't want to have to go all the way down into the water. Some might say, no, I think I need to go all the way down into the water. So the church leaves it up to that individual. 
<clears throat> is that what the scriptures say? Let the person decide how he wants to be baptized? No, the scriptures lay out how a person should be baptized into Christ. Now, as we were talking last time, we need to understand what the word baptize means. And really, once we understand what the word baptize means, it clears up. It clears up most of the confusion. When we're talking about translating from one language into another, whatever it is that we're translating, whether it's a simple word or whether it's a sentence or whether it's a, a, a paragraph or whether it's a whole book, we need to find the equivalent words in the language that we're translating to so that we can make sure the correct exact meaning from the language we're, tra- we're, we're translating from is conveyed in that language we're translating to. So that's the, 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 the art or the practice or the discipline of translation. And there is no book in which this is more important and imperative to follow that discipline correctly than in the Bible. So the New Testament was written originally in Koine, in Koine Greek. Now, that particular, that particular uh, <clears throat> Greek is not spoken anymore. So you have to take what the word means. Now, you might say, well, not spoken anymore. How can we know? Well, Latin is not spoken anymore either. But we translate from Latin into English and into other languages as well. We can understand what the Koine Greek meant as it was written, and we can understand what the equivalent, or at least as close as we can get to the equivalent New Testament, or English words, or German words, or French words, or Italian words, what, what those equivalent words are. Now, into English, you go back to, basically you go back to King James' translation into English. When the New Testament began to be translated into English. Now you go back there, and as I pointed out, when the translators were translating, and and incidentally, the King James Version is a very good translation, very good translation. And we have a number of other good translations that can be related to the King James Version, or they can you know, follow the same kind of discipline. Now, when you come to the word baptize, going back into the 1600s, as the King James Version was originally translated, the translators had a problem because the Church of England was practicing sprinkling for baptism. But it wasn't just the Church of England. The Catholic Church was also practicing sprinkling for baptism. So what did the translators do when they come to that particular point? Here we've got this word, baptizo, in the Greek. How do we translate that into English? Well, how is it understood in the Greek? It was immersion. It was plunging, dipping, burying, submerging. One document from the Greek spoke of a ship that sunk. Now, we know what that means when a ship sinks in the water. And it referred to that ship as as having been baptized. Not difficult at all to figure out what the word means in English. 
But instead of translating it accurately, they really kicked the ball down the road and caused untold confusion for hundreds and hundreds of years to come, and probably until the Lord comes again. Instead of translating it from one word in the Greek into the equivalent word in English, which would have been immerse or immersion, they took the Greek letters in the Greek alphabet that spelled out baptizo, and they transliterated them, not translated them, they transliterated them into equivalent English letters in the English language. So they made up a new word. From baptizo, they translated baptize. That's not a translation. That's a transliteration. Instead of being honest and saying the word means immerse or immersion, they made up a new word in English. And that's why that's, that's the biggest reason for all of the confusion in all of the churches that would call themselves Christian over the subject of baptism. First, they can't get past how to do it. Now, you can go into the scholars, the supposed, the supposed scholars in those various churches and say, what did it mean in the Greek? And, and if they're honest, they'll say it meant immerse. Well, then why are you practicing sprinkling for it? Well, yeah, everybody's been doing that for a long time. Or why are you pouring water over somebody's head? Well, you know, it's, see, they, they explain it away. It's not what the word means. The word means immerse. It does not mean sprinkle. There's a completely different Greek word for sprinkle and for pour. So the Bible translators, way back in the 1600s, they really messed up. And so you've got all this confusion today over, is it sprinkling, is it pouring, or is it immersion? Now, transliteration is not unusual. Much of the English language comes from transliterating words from other languages. In this case, however, there is an interesting reason for it. And again, it's historical. It dates back to 1604, when the most high and mighty Prince James, King of Great Britain, France and Ireland, defender of the faith, as he was known or identified, convened the Hampton the Hampton Court Conference, where he commissioned the third official English translation of the Bible, and we know that final product as the 1611 King James Version. Forty-seven scholars of the Church of England who translated the Greek New Testament for King James knew the meaning of baptizo and baptisma, and, and, and it was a common word both in the scriptures and in secular literature. It meant to submerge. It meant to submerge, no question about it. It was used by the translators of the Greek Old Testament in 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 14 when Naaman dipped seven times in the Jordan to be cleansed of his disease, leprosy. The translators also knew King James had been sprinkled himself and had the major as had the majority of religious people at that time in their domain. So to translate baptizo into immersion would have offended the dignitaries of the state, the Church of England, 
the official church of the state, and the populace at large. To translate baptize as sprinkle or pour would have violated their standards for accuracy, so they simply, instead of translating baptizo as sprinkle or pour, they made up a new word, baptize, had not existed in the English language prior to that. So they compromised. They didn't translate it at all. And following Tyndale's earlier decision, they anglicized it and left people to decide how they wanted to understand it. So, in summary, we have the original word baptize, or baptizo in the Greek. The word they translated, or that should have been translated into English, was immerse, and is still immerse. But instead, they made up a whole new word by transliteration, baptize. And they left the people to decide how they wanted to interpret that brand new word in English, baptize. And there is the basic confusion as to what baptism really is supposed to be, how we go about it, what the mode of baptism is. The King James Version soon came into common use uh, among English-speaking people around the world. The practice of pouring and sprinkling continued through the centuries in both Catholic and Protestant churches. That's what they had been used to before. This created continuing financial pressure for other Bible publishers to stay with the transliteration. No popular English version, new or old, accurately translates the Greek word baptizo. Now, you may have heard it said that the Greeks had a word for it. Koine Greek is an expressive and exact language. If the Bible translators had meant for the interaction that candidates for conversion had with water to have been different, there were words for our modern practices. But they were different words than we find in the Greek for baptize. As I said, there's a different word in the Greek language for sprinkle, a different word for pour. But baptize, that was immerse. That was how it was understood in the Greek language. And that's how it should be understood among all churches that call themselves Christians today. We'll go a little bit further next time. Let's pray. Father, help us to come to you your way and to obey what your word really says and not try to explain it away or salve our feelings because we have not been obedient in an accurate way to what your word teaches on the subject of baptism. Help us, help us to see your will in this and to obey. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.